my babies, and welcome once again to Poker in the Air. As I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He's my work wife, James Hardigan. And we are recording this podcast on the 16th of June, which means I can say happy Bloomsday, Joe. That's right. We are honoring one of the greatest works of literature ever written. The Outback Steakhouse Bloomin' Onion has a novel? <sighs> Ulysses, James Joyce. What does blooming have to do with it? Bloomsday, Leopold Bloom is the main character of that novel. It's about a single day in the life and about his encounter with Stephen Daedalus. And that day is now known as Bloomsday. Would you believe that I never read Ulysses? And oh, I could believe, believe it. I could I believe it. a D in English literature in college. No, this it was my all worst. makes sense. There's so much about you and your education system. Thank you. Move on. Coming up on today's show, it's our season finale. And oh. just when things were starting to get good... Um. Speak for yourself, pal. We're still looking at another month of lockdown restrictions and countries restricting people from flying from the UK. But hey, you knock yourself out. Look, I, I know it's rough, and uh, but hopefully, hopefully that month will go quickly and hopefully things do happen at the end of that final month. Here in the United States, the world is opening up a little bit more. I was lucky enough to get to go play some live poker you probably heard about my results, but I got a few funny stories and a little bit of poker talk I have saved just for today. It is a little bit weird, though, if you think about it. For the last 12 months, it's been a shared experience, right? Being in the middle of this pandemic, being under lockdown, and now we are seeing different situations in, in different parts of the world. So now everyone on this side of the Atlantic is able to look at your life with a major sense of FOMO or a major sense of fuck you. Yeah, that, I mean, look, we're all just still just getting shot here again, so there's that. Uh, we're not just rapping on the podcast for a little while. We're also rapping Poker Stars Retro. Uh, and since we've been covering the LAPT the past few months, we tried to have on one of those LAPPs, L uh, Latin American poker players, from those shows. The first one said no. Then Aniel Guillen said yes, but it did not end up working out. So no guests on today's show, but we're still going to recap season two of Poker Stars Retro, a.k.a. the LAPT. And I finally, finally, finally watched the Battle of Algiers. Boom. And this week's super fan Dan Fox is here to challenge me to trivia based on it. Okay, we will talk about the movie later on when Dan joins us on the show for the super fan segment. Um, I guess it was always going to be hard trying to pin down Aniel. He's on the other side of the world. His partner's about to have a baby. So good luck to him. Would have been great to talk to him about the glory days. But hey, we can still talk retro a bit later on. Absolutely. I didn't have a chance to, to watch much else besides the Battle of Algiers because of uh, in San Diego I was burning the candle at both ends. You'll hear more about that later. I did last night, actually. For some reason, my girlfriend's gotten more into Marvel than me, and she's like, we have to watch Loki. Because I don't want, I want to be up on things. Yeah, I'm struggling to persuade my household to get into this. I still want to see Falcon and Winter Soldier, and I do want to start watching Loki. So I am completely behind and haven't seen a single episode of either show. I think that Loki is kind of a prequel type of thing. And I think if obviously watching things in the order they come out, there's always little Easter eggs. But I don't think you, I think Loki, you can get away with watching it without Falcon and Winter Soldier. Am I right in thinking? And you may not be in a position to answer this question. Yeah. Am I right in thinking that Loki explores the alternative timeline created by the events of Endgame when they go back to the conclusion of the original Avengers movie when Loki's been arrested and is being taken away. And because of their time travel shenanigans, they create a situation where the Tesseract gets knocked across the floor and Loki is able to disappear. That is absolutely correct. That is Fine. that is the first 30 seconds of Loki. So right. if you want to hop in there, and I think it's one of those things that if you showed it to the family, I think they'd be into it pretty quickly. Um, it's just that initial getting people to sit. I didn't want to sit down for it. I was like, ah, let's yeah. do something else. And I, of course I liked it because I'm, because I'm, I'm, I'm everyone. <laughs> I am exactly who they are, are marketing to all the time. Uh, I don't want to get into all the San Diego talk just yet. Uh, but since this is the part of the show, we usually do an update about the tray. <laughs> I 
thought that narrative was over. I thought we had the resolution last week. The tray came back, piled with Ferrero Rocher. Oh, Ambassador, you were spoiling us. I figured this was case closed. I, I, I thought so too, but last week in San Diego, we record the podcast like some ungodly hour in the morning as usual. And then the, the day it comes out, I go into the tournament area and this really sweet super fan named Aaron Knapp uh, must have listened to the podcast. I don't know. <laughs> at eight o'clock in the morning was like, I got a present for you. Stapes. I got a present for you. I got a present for you. And I went over my seat and there's like a big box of Ferrero Rocher <laughs> sitting on my chair. Somehow he knew my table and seat number even before I did. Uh, <laughs> That's how I knew where to sit we've down. Always established Joe. There's a very fine line between the super fans and the state stalkers. And clearly Aaron <laughs> is firmly in the latter camp. Yeah, absolutely. And I did get to spend plenty. It's actually a uh, uh, spoiler alert. Aaron's the one who busted me from the main event, but more of that later on. Well, let's talk more about super fans and regular listeners and their contributions to this week's show. Steve Mark, friend of poker in the years did tweet at us earlier this week. What do you make of this hand played on poker stars? Oh. Steve has got his tinfoil hat on and uh -oh. wonders why at showdown, the player with the full house lost to the player with a flush. Fortunately, the official PokerStars Twitter account was very quick to leap in and point out to Steve that that is a six-plus hold'em table. It's short deck. And as you know, the hand rankings are slightly different and a flush beats a full house. So don't worry, Steve. It wasn't a software glitch. It wasn't some kind of like doom switch pressed on the other player. It was just a different format with the different hand rankings. It was a Steve Mark glitch, it sounds like. Now, was this a hand that Steve Mark himself was playing or just witnessed? Like, did he not know he had joined a six max table or tournament or six plus table or tournament? Of course, it was sent to him by someone else. It was one of those oh. where it's doing the rounds. It wasn't even a hand that he played. Uh, Robert Towers says, I'm glad I'm not the only person that Resident Evil 7 gave the scares to. Thanks, Stapes. I needed that. Yeah, you know, sometimes you, gotta, you just got to admit to it. Like the way I admit to crying at every movie or TV show. You got to admit, hey, man, I just that game just scared the shit out of me. Haven't started the new Resident Evil yet, uh, but I'm hoping to get into it. Hopefully with a little bit of time. With a little bit of time not having to do the podcast for, for a couple of months. Now, every now and then, someone will just tag me in a random Bond-related post, and I love it. <laughs> uh, so thank you to Daryl, a uh, superfan from recent weeks, who tagged me in a post about the James Bond Road Race set, which was a Sears exclusive back in 1964. For only $34.95, you can watch an actual replica of James Bond's Aston Martin race around a track that has nothing to do with any of the movies, uh, but it looks pretty awesome. I, there was a, a time, um, and we're going back probably 25, 30 years, where I did start to seriously try collecting James Bond memorabilia. And I do have a few original toys from the 1960s, a few of the play sets of like Goldfinger's laser table with Bond strapped to it and Dr. Oh, No's yeah. Dragon Tank. And I do have the original Aston Martin toy, which interestingly was gold, not silver. Uh, from the mid-1960s. They're in my mum and dad's attic. Gold-colored, right? Not yes, like not gold. actual okay. made of gold. Uh, <laughs> but still, not still worth a fair sum. So I do need yeah. to dig this stuff out and probably have it appraised. James, collectibles are huge now. We gotta t we got You got to get in on this collectible conversation. I mean, I also have some old hardback copies of the original Bond novels. No first, a few first editions, actually, of the later books, like You Only Live Twice, Man with the Golden Gun, which aren't as rare as first editions of the 1950s novels. But, you know, again, I probably do need to sort of dig this stuff out and make sure it's being kept in, in good nick. So if for nothing else, Daryl, thank you for planting that seed in my brain. Last but by no means least, and this probably qualifies as a piece of poker news, Joe. Yeah. You are aware of the TV show EastEnders. I am aware of the TV show. It's a long-running soap opera. Correct. It, it's a nighttime soap Correct. opera in the UK. So All right. EastEnders has added a new cast member, a new character called Bobby Beale. Um, and the actor who is joining the cast of EastEnders, episodes to be aired from this summer, is Ross Boatman. Oh, shit. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean... To poker fans, Ross is one quarter of the Hendon mob, Barney's brother, uh, a player with numerous results 
on the live poker circuit. Um, but of course, Ross is also an actor and to my generation is probably best known for his appearance on the TV show London's Burning, has appeared in numerous TV shows and movies over the years. And I've TV seen him in, I saw him in some commercials, I think, yes. when I live in the, like a cereal commercial or something, as for like a kid's cereal, possibly. But this is a big deal for Ross to get a role in EastEnders. So, uh, so good luck, Ross. I mean, look, after EastEnders, then uh, then potentially Doctor Who after that. Who knows? The sky's the limit or the, the multiverse. So on Monday night, Joe, uh, we were back with a Sunday Million stream. And, and just to clarify, uh, in recent weeks, there's been the Bounty Builder Turbo series on Stars, And the nature of turbos is they don't last two days. So there was no Sunday Million on a Sunday that concluded on the Monday. So we didn't have a stream. So it was business as usual this past weekend uh griffin joined us for that stream i'm gonna say and this is nothing nothing against any of the players who made the final 64 who made the final (laughs) table and nothing against the winner it wasn't one of my favorites i did find it a little bit turgid and i think that was the nature of the fact that no one really felt like they were in a position to do anything icm wayseal's theorem firmly in effect with a couple of mad moments from players but yeah it just felt like a bit of a grind and it got to that point where it went past its sell-by date it should have finished a good half an hour earlier than it did no one really had any chips it became a bit of a shove fest um but you know i'm glad the sunday millions back and look it's a weekly occurrence right if one isn't the most entertaining visual experience the next week might be fine the thing about the Sunday Million is that they're all different, right? Like a fingerprint, just completely no two exactly alike. And this one, I will admit, had the potential to be like a pretty pacey, fun uh, Sunday Million that did drag a little bit. Uh, still happy, though. Still happy that some relative newcomers all went pretty deep in this thing. I, I You know, that's, that's what I like the most about the Sunday Million is that you usually get one or two well-known people and the rest all just really trying to start their poker careers. Um, and uh, this was more or less that. So I I, I was, I, I did think that that was, I agree with you, but yeah. still, still fun. No, I, I, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, I've kind of missed it, to be honest. It's a, yeah. it's a regular thing that we now do, and we're going to continue doing it during the summer months. As everything else comes to an end, uh, the Sunday Million streams continue. So this coming Monday, which is the 21st of June, Joe is flying solo. Not strictly speaking true, because Maria is going to be joining you on commentary duties, but I will be away next week. I'm actually taking a vacation for the first time in forever. Uh, so... There will be a stream on the 21st. There will be a stream on the 28th. I'll be back for that one for most weeks through the summer. And if you've never watched the stream before, it starts at 6.30 UK time. That's 1.30 Eastern time. And it covers the late stages, the second day of the weekly Sunday Million at $1 million guaranteed tourney on stars normally with a six-figure score up top and we watch the last few tables play down to the final table and down to a winner i think it's fair to say it's a little bit more laid back a little bit more relaxed than maybe the streams we do from the major series like scoop and w coop but yeah we griffin's gonna join us for a few of those streams maria some of the guys from team pro like tonka sam grafton spraggy and finson it's Um, probably more of a blend between like a scoop stream and the podcast i would say like a hybrid of the two because we do get to have some fun and talk about some other stuff in between the action that is true it it ends up being kind of a nice chat between griffin or whoever the guest is and i think that was the hardest thing for you on monday is obviously desperately wanting to talk about san diego but like (laughs) i've got to save this for the podcast and then we get to the podcast and it's like at the top of the show i've got to save this for later in the podcast we will get all right all right finally we will get i i i saw i saw you're going to cornwall I saw some photos of Cornwall recently. It's beautiful. It's like it's almost not even England. Look, I'm a big fan (laughs) of that part of the world, but here's the thing. I studied down there, so I did my postgraduate diploma in broadcast journalism down in Falmouth. And because I lived nine months of the year in Cornwall, I've had no real desire to go back since. It took a global pandemic to make me want to go back to Cornwall. Now I cannot wait. So I'm looking forward to a few days away. Um, should point out that in addition to this being our season finale of the podcast, Retro 
is wrapping this week. And by the time you hear this podcast, there's a very good chance that that stream will have been and gone. We watched seasons two and three of the Latin American Poker Tour. So this was Poker from South America in 2009-2010. And I think it we came in with expectations that we were going to see, you know, less than optimal play. We weren't going to see GTO in effect. We were going to see a lot of passion and it delivered on all those fronts. What I wasn't expecting, and I don't really want to labor the point too much, is that when we got to the later shows and they ditched the American production company and started having it done locally and cutting down the live streams to make highlight shows, the production standards just went off the edge of a cliff. And we've spent the last few weeks marveling at some horrific editorial decisions and some horrible, horrible graphics. Marveling, mocking, just everything we could possibly... You know, it's tough to sometimes do three hours. It's like, what are we supposed to just keep ripping on this for three hours? I will say I found many of the gaffes to be quite entertaining, uh, to be amusing. Uh, you know, look, it, it's all gravy, right? Like we knew going into it that the poker was going to be kind of whack. Wasn't really sure. I, unfortunately, the first bunch of LAPT shows we did, we were kind of like spoiled, not realizing that that wasn't going to last. And then when the sort of more localer production crews took over, I don't know. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I think that even though it was like a little bit on the like the poor man's side uh, of, of TV production, the the spirit of it was still there. Uh, the vibe of it was still there. The sort of like ba- those starry background sort of shows will always give me a certain feeling. I know uh, you mean. Reg- regardless who produced them. And it reminds me of like, oh man, remember when this was so new and so fresh and so exciting. And, you know, just seeing people on TV with their patches and playing for big sums of money with not a care in the world. I think that we still captured a lot of that same vibe that that we wanted to. That's a fair comment. And I should say that I appreciate these streams run at a time when not everyone could watch. Maybe they weren't on your radar. They are all available to watch again. You know, they're available as VODs, uh, both on the Pokestars Twitch channel and on the Pokestars YouTube channel. So you can revisit some of the highlights, like seeing an 18-year-old Dominic Nietzsche win an LAPT event. Even more staggering than that was to see Nacho Barbero go back-to-back and win two LAPT main events in a row. And also some of the other formats that they were experimenting with at the time, like the Team Pro Challenge, which was this cash game, which I guess was a kind of like modified version of the big game without the qualifier, without any uh, rules on pot limit, no limit, and just ranking people on profit loss. And some of the faces that you saw in that game, in addition to the old pros on the Stars roster of that era, players like Neil Channing, who was randomly in Uruguay for that event. And in the final stream of the series, Terence Chan, who played in that game. And then the America's Cup of Poker, which I know we streamed in later years when they moved the event to the PCA, but in its early inception was just a completely muddled, over-confused format that didn't quite work and yet again had that charm to it. See, it de- it definitely had the charm, but the thing that we'll never know about the Ameris- America's Cup is because, and I'm sorry if any of these th- statements come back to bite me, but because the productions were so bad, it's hard to know what was a flaw with the format and what was just like a goof later on in the editing r- editing bay where they're just like making things up. Because remember, like the first round, like a like for example, like America won their table and then they'd put up the leaderboard and America would be like in fourth place. So there was all who knows what kind of shenanigans were going on. Yes, that is a fair point. Uh, But we have enjoyed our journey and unlike EPT Retro, where certainly for me, it was a case of revisiting and reliving poker, which I either saw on TV at the time or worked on either the live streams or the TV shows from those early seasons of the European Poker Tour. This was all new to us. Maybe bar one or two hands which have appeared on social media over the years, this was just complete unknown. And 
that was fun to see this stuff for the first time. And I think I would say the same of the APPT, the Asia Pacific Poker Tour TV shows, which we streamed back in March, Joe. So, okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Since since Enyel's not here, let me interview you, James Hart, again for a second. And I want you to answer me pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. Okay. You look, you're you're a bit of a decision maker of poker stars. Not not all the time, but people listen to you. Your voice is heard. Let's say sending James and Joe to Latin America uh, to do a, a stop. You know, it's not an EPT stop, but we want to we want to visit that part of the world. Is this something that James is like very happy about? And he's like, all right, let's do it. Or James is like, not so sure about. And then answer this question pre pandemic and post pandemic. I think the answer pre and the answer post is the same. I don't see the value in sending us to that part. No, not as a don't answer it as a company man. Answer it as James Hardigan, like person, world traveler, poker commentator. Okay. I mean, look, obviously, of course, assuming everything is safe, I want to go anywhere right now, but. It yeah. wouldn't be at the top of my list, to be brutally honest. All right, fine. Well, I still, you guys can send me to Latin America. I'm happy to go to Latin America. I <laughs> I want to go. I've always wanted to go seeing these shows. Like, look, you know, we did, hey, we did Panama. Hey, but uh, you can quit fucking whining because you are able to go places right now. I know you're going to Vegas this weekend. And I know because you haven't shut up about it. In the last week, you drove down the coast of San Diego. And I hope you appreciate the effort I went to in selecting this piece of music, Joseph. <laughs> very appropriately entitled California Cruiser. Uh, very appropriately titled and somewhat appropriate for having just spoken about the Latin American poker tour because I was almost in Latin America. This place, the uh, the Hamul Casino, um, the the road it's on, the, the other side of the road is the border. I mean, it, it, I mean, they had border patrol all over the place, driving wow. up and down. Uh, very uh, sort of strange to see down there for what's known as the Run Good Poker Tour. Like every other poker tour, they've been gone for about 18 months. This was their first stop back. Hamul Casino, very happy to welcome them and uh, a bunch of poker ambassadors uh, down for the week. I got to go down there with. Uh, uh, Boston Rob from uh, Survivor fame, Tyson Apostle also from Survivor, former guest on the show, uh, a fellow by the name of uh, Grenader Jake, who's like a pretty big Twitch streamer, got like 300,000 followers on Twitch, plays a lot of Destiny 2 on there. Um, you know, we had, uh, we, we had a nice little crew, and the very first event that, uh, oh, by the way, Run Good, the guy that runs Run Good, uh, Tana, Tana Karn. He's the guy that I've been doing all my box breaks with, my sports card box breaks. So oh. he's the one that pull, pulled the Kobe for me. Um, and so, you know, we spent a lot of time together during quarantine. You know, he's probably one of the, I don't know if you've made any quarantine friends, James, but, you know, I've made a bunch of friends. And part of my plan for like the next few months is I'm actually going to go meet a bunch of them uh, in real life. And Tana uh, being the first who I've met before, but really we weren't friends. Now we are. Uh, So opening night was a bounty tournament, James. And guess what? I was a bounty. You know how these things go. Hold on a second. This is the one you told us about last week. Yes. Okay. So we got that. I already complained about not getting to keep the bounty. Yeah. I, I, and what did I say? No whining this week. I want to hear any bitching. This is this is meant to be positivity. It, I understand it, it, from what I've seen on social media. I understand from the commentary I've seen about the series that you did all right. So let's move on from the bounty. I did all right. So I'm just okay. setting the stage here. All right. So right. I finished 35th in this event. The money's at 30. Kind of frustrating. Uh, you know, but. It's a, the, the, a celebrity bounty event. I'm really not expected to cash. Um, and so, fine, fine. Wednesday, after our podcast, was the $185 deep stack event. And part of what I really... Okay, so this is the cliffhanger. 
because the last conversation that we properly had about this poker series was during our retro stream last Thursday, where you revealed that you'd made day two of this deep stack event. After this point, I don't know anything that happens next other than the kind of like snatches of information that I picked up from Twitter. Thank you for reminding me where we, where we left off in our actual conversation. Well, look, I, look, my memory is not that great, but the, no there's shit. a podcast and there's retro and then there's month, then there's the Sunday Million thing. So, I mean, if we only had a podcast every week, I'd know exactly where. Anyway, um, so I did make day two and I don't really have much to report on. I'm not, not complaining. It was just I, the, we got to the money pretty quickly into day two. I didn't really have very many hands. I ended up. I don't even honestly remember the spot I got it in. It was pretty standard. I did not win. I di- I more than min cashed. Uh, I believe I finished again in thirty somethingth place uh, for about three hundred and twenty dollars, which was like maybe the third jump in caches. Uh, but the thing is, I finished kind of late. All right, we finished, I don't know what it was, uh, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Uh, <laughs> what Now is what happens is now, if you've been on these trips before, people are like, yo, we're getting a private PLO game going. It's going to be you and Boston Rob and Tana and all these people that have been drinking all day, all these people that didn't make day two, and now they're all shit-faced and they want to play PLO. And I'm like, I really want to be a part of the group. I don't really have the bankroll to like, you know, and, and PLO, like you got to be prepared to be, get sunk for like a bunch of bullets. <sighs> no kidding. And you, might, and you might not even ever come out profitable. So I sit in this PLO game and immediately they're like, we're going to start with a $20 bomb pot. We started doing $20. So there was a two, three PLO game. I bought him for 300. Most people bought him for five. Um... It was a 2-3 PLO game where every time they changed the dealer, we would do a $20 bomb pot. For those of you who don't know what this is, everyone puts in $20. So you got like eight people putting in 20 bucks. There's 160 in the middle, right? And they go directly to the flop. Now, except this wasn't sick enough for these fucking people. We had to do double board five-card Omaha bomb pots. Now... This is not may- something you should do while consuming alcohol. I'm just going to throw you that do- out there. It's not something you should do ever. It's not something you should do e- ever, okay? Now, look, consuming alcohol is fine. I was not inebriated, right? Like, I had been playing in the other tournament and was, like, not... I wasn't sure. drunk, right? I was so more I'm referring like, to your opposition. I'm just saying yes. you're not going to make the best decisions. Dare I say, what? you are going to struggle to connect the cards that you are dealt with the cards on the multiple boards to try and ascertain whether you're winning the hand or not. It is, except for, and you're totally right about that, but what you're overlooking is that when you get a five-card PLO hand and there's two boards, probably the only mistake you can make is folding. folding. It's true, actually. Everyone has equal equity. (laughs) Yeah, everyone just fucking has like some insane piece of it. So... Um, I will say that this night went on so long that I don't I don't exactly remember what happened in the beginning of the night. All I know is I was in my uh, for my third bullet when Boston Rob, who was also in for his third or fourth bullet, said, I know it's 500 max. I want to buy him for 5000. Does anyone have a problem with that? And of course, we were like, no, <laughs> please go ahead and buy him for five thousand dollars. Come back anytime. Bring money. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So. I ended up going on a little bit of a heater and having about, I don't know, $1,800 in front of me um, when Boss and Rob and I get involved in a massive double board PLO bomb pot in which I flop a low straight and two two pair on the bottom. And I'm like, well, and then Boss and Rob's just like, you know, he like, you know, pots it on the turn or whatever, which is enough to put me all in. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm all in. Like if I lose, I lose my straight held and my two pair also held Rob bricked everything, but didn't realize it. Um, and there was a huge kerfuffle when the hands got turned up and there was a big argument over who, who it was like, first we thought it was a chop. Then we thought that Rob had scooped it. Then finally everyone's like, shut up for a second. It actually stapes scoops this whole pot. I won the biggest pot of my entire life. Hold on a second. Was- this game has a dealer, right? Who's running the game. Why are pots being decided by committee? 
Because you know how it works at this time. And first of all, the dealers that are coming through, not every single one of them knows how to run double board five card Omaha bomb pots, right? Like if you think about it, um, this isn't something that happens very often. Uh, You know, at these casinos, as a regular person, it's really hard to walk in and go, hey, I want to run a double board bomb pot PLO game, right? If you're part of a group of people that's coming in and having a big event. They make an exception for you. They do whatever. But also, and something we're going to find, I think, in every part of the world where poker comes back, there's a shortage of dealers right now. Right. Events are actually being canceled because they don't have enough dealers. And many of the dealers, and this is not a criticism at all to Hamul, one or two of the dealers I dealt with, it was their first time dealing. They had just come out of dealer school. Wow. So there were a couple of dealers who are crackerjack at this PLO bomb pot stuff, but a couple who are like, please, guys, just be patient with me. Like, you know, we're talking about, by the way, I'm only talking about the me and Rob part of this hand. There were three other side pots in this hand. Jesus Christ. So Tana was all in in this hand also. Tana ended up uh, chopping or scooping me, but he only had about 400 bucks in front of him. Um, So I ended up winning like a 4K uh, double board bomb pot, and of course, what? Of course, what do I want to do, James? At this point, what do I want to do? Go home. Get the fuck out of there. <laughs> Absolutely, retire. But I, but I can't now because this particular casino has no hotels nearby. So we were all carpooling all the time, and I had driven my car that day, and there's no way. I was driving home, right? It wasn't even a consideration. So now I'm like, how do I get out of here? Like, who's leaving? I had to wait till someone was leaving. Um, and I didn't want to pick up immediately. So I did stay in the game a little bit longer. I did get involved in another massive pot where I had pocket aces and ended up uh, getting those cracked. So I, I, I won the biggest pot of my life uh, in this game. And I also lost the biggest pot of my life in this game. I probably lost a 2K pot with these with these aces that got cracked. Um against a guy who really was trying to give his money away to me. But I ended up walking out of that game. Go on. So this is Wednesday night. Yeah. This is the PLO game after the yeah. deep stack. So I guess yeah. now we have to pick up day two of the deep stack after after this Wednesday night action. Correct. Uh, so we... <laughs> so at this point, it's like... Rob Rob bolts from the game after this hand. He he gets up and leaves without saying too much. Uh, understandably, a little bit tilted. So funny that uh, this girl Haley were with bent over and she goes, "Look, this is all that's left of Boston Rob," and it was just the five k band <laughs> off of his off of his money, just like the five thousand oh, dollar wrapper wow. from the money he had lost in the game. Uh, so now I I really want to go, but. Um, we are, uh, I, 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 our ride's looking for Rob. They're like, we can't leave without Rob. So we go, all of us, because, you know, looking for Rob. Long story short, we get to go home at 4.30 in the morning. I sleep for 90 minutes and get up at 6 for EPT Retro. Right. Retro ends uh, at something like, we do retro from like 7 to, to more or less like 10.30 in the morning. The next the day two is at noon and I just go straight to the casino, play through day two. And finally, at about like nine o'clock that night, I, I go to bed. I'm like, finally go to bed for a night because the main event is the next day. So I, I actually get some sleep. Did, did retro on about 90 minutes sleep that day. Wasn't super happy about that, but I did, you know. I would have gone home sooner if I wasn't waiting for a ride, unfortunately. Uh, main event happens. $575 main event. Um, I decided that I was going to... Look, this 575 is a lot for me. Um, and it's unlimited re-entry. And I decided that I was going to sell half of my action to Maria uh, just in case uh, I needed to go in for multiple bullets, right? I would have loved to have 100% of my own action, and I said, hey, Maria, do you want to just go 50-50 on this? If it's one bullet, if it's two, she's like, sure, no problem. So on day one, now, I, I, James, just bear with me here. I am not complaining. I am just reporting on what happened. I played no hands on day one. Okay. Almost no hands whatsoever to the point Been where- Been there, seen it, done it, pal. Yes. like, And I'm not even, I'm not a particularly tight player, but it was just like, 
nine three, jack three, jack two, five two, five three, nine three, nine four, ten five, right? For the entire day to the point where I'm I'm starting to I, I actually can't even do this anymore. I need to do something. And so one thing that it taught me, which is pretty cool, which I never really did before, is now I start if I pick up a hand like King Five suited in in late position and there's a raise in front of me, I just started three betting it. Um, because I hadn't three bet all day and I really needed to pick up some chips as we're closing on the end of the day. Now, by some miracle, some miracle, I do this a few times. The blinds and annies are huge. Um, that I, I get up about uh, above start. I think starting stack was, I'm just going to say 40K. Um, and I managed to get my stack up to around like 80 or 90 just from playing this way, right? Just okay. I, no showdowns, nothing. Just sea betting, um, and just sort of like terrified that someone's going to figure out that I haven't been dealt a hand all day. Uh, we, but now by some miracle, they a table breaks and they send two guys to my table who are not taking this seriously at all. They are. I don't want to say they're drunk, but they're drinking. They're ordering shots. Uh, and they are, they get seated directly to my right, one and two. Um, and so what's happening on a lot of these hands now is um, drinking guy one raises, drinking guy two re-raises him, and I'm next to act. And finally, by some miracle, with like maybe an hour left to go in the day, it goes raise, re-raise. I look down at Ace King. I move all in for about 90K. The original raiser folds around. The original raiser folds. And the guy who re-raises is like, ah, whatever, and calls me with jack five. <laughs> He's got live cards. Just saying. He's got live cards. The board runs out nothing. I double through him. I think I'm, yeah, I double through him. I pick up the, the other money that was in the pot. Yep. And now I have like 180K. Uh, which I went from like, you know, just thinking like a, a fumes to like a pretty healthy stack. And then the same thing again, get no more hands the rest of the night. But now I have a stack that I can at least like maneuver a little bit and bet and raise. I end up the end of the day with 244,000 was good for second and chips for day one. A wow. And I end up being in the top five after all the flights combined. Cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing about the final table. Then, well, come on. I was still a long way from no, the final I'm, table. I'm being facetious. Come on. What happened next? So we have a day off, which is really fun. I ended up spending the day with Tyson and Rob, just sort of going on various little misadventures. We went to uh, Old Town San Diego and had like, you know, people making like fresh tortillas, like, you know, basically very authentic Mexican food. And Tyson and Rob, uh, Tyson gets a a DM on Instagram into his other folder, right? You, you're aware of the other folder, how it works and various things. Like, I have no if you're, idea what you're talking about. Okay, so like Facebook, Instagram, even Twitter, uh, if you get a message from someone that it doesn't think you know, it gets sent to the other folder, and then you I get I have to, my DMs closed to, uh, to anyone who I don't okay. have any connection with. So you get, a, you get this thing called- people direct messaging me. Well, it, it, you end up- Maybe not you, but you do end up missing some opportunities or some message you would have wanted when you're closed off to all that stuff. So Tyson gets his yeah. DM that's like, hey, dude, you don't know me, but I'm a big fan. And there's a there's a big party on the beach tonight that I wanted to invite you and Rob to. Oh, is this the thing you told us about Monday night? Yes. So we ended up um, saying like Tyson's like, should we just show up to this guy's party and just like make his year? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. We should. So we drive around forever trying to find parking at the beach in San Diego. And it just ended up not working out. It was just a horrible idea. We drove past the party and there was like one guy out on the front porch smoking a cigarette. And we were like, we're not going, we're not going, we're not going to this party. Um, uh, and we decided that eventually we we're just going to go home and try to get a good night's sleep. We got home about midnight for day two. All right. Day two now. It's day two. We start off. Um, I think there's probably about 90 players left. Uh, 70 make the money. Okay. So very and close to the bubble. Very close. Very close to the bubble. And I am not really sure what I want to do because I am top five in chips. 
But I've been in this situation before in other sort of events where I'm not I, I actually have never made a day two in my life until this trip. Uh, I didn't even know how the bags worked. I was like, how do you, how does this work? Um, so I'm like, what do I do here? Like everyone's like, work you gotta work the bubble. You gotta like get chips on the bubble. And I was like, I don't want to be one of those guys. It's like I could I could just smooth sail to a min cash here. It, I really need it right now. I need it for mentally the money, all of it. If I I said this, if I somehow went broke before the money, I would have been inconsolable, like just inconsolably angry, sad, whatever you want to call it. So I'm luckily I didn't really have an option. Again, no hands. Well, there you go. That dictates everything, right? Yes, absolutely no hands. Um, And then what happened by some miracle in the uh, in like the. third hour of the day when there's like 75 people left for the first time all trip in Hold'em I get aces this is like my third or fourth full day of playing I haven't playing I haven't had aces even once I pick up pocket aces uh, a, a, a semi short stack shoves over my open uh, with jacks the aces hold now I have a few more chips and now I am able to to start accumulating some chips on the bubble. Uh, the bubble passes. And then I ended up one other hand uh, on the on the bubble, like maybe three to go. I have pocket sixes. I raise the button. The flop comes jack high with a six. And the guy in the big blind who had called in the big blind goes crazy. So crazy that like when we got it all in on the turn... I was like, am I up against a set of jacks? Like he was, but he just had King Jack. Um, I was like, he didn't re-raise pre-flop. I, I got to have the best hand here. I'm all in. And then I had a huge stack, 750K. Wow. Um, huge stack after that when we were down to like 65 players or so. Table breaks. And now, uh, now I pick up a couple of hands. I get ace-10 suited. I raise it and then I get shoved on for like a big blinds. I call. They have jacks. I have ace three suited. I get shoved on for like six big blinds. I call. They have fours. Other than that pair of sixes, I did not connect with one board the entire tournament. Every time I got it all in, my hand either held. My hand always just held. That was it. Um, the, the, when I got it, I got it like ace jack against ace 10 held ace king against the jack five held. So now uh, after these short stacks double through me, now I'm in bad shape again. And this is where the nine, three, nine, three, eight, three, eight, four, eight, two starts all over again. And I fold my way down uh, and, and the, the field's thinning very quickly. Right. And we get down to the final two tables, the final uh, 18 people, and I'm on eight big blinds. And it folds around. I shove, it gets through. I can't even shove. I fold down the six big blinds, the four big blinds. And luckily, Maria is sort of watching on Poker News, and I'm giving her updates in real time. And I'm just, I'm very, very frustrated. I I will say this. Um, I'm frustrated because I'm going to start off with something negative, but I'm going to followed up with something positive for this entire trip of Hold'em, including the hands that I, I haven't told you about yet. I got, I did get aces three times total in the end. No pocket Kings, no pocket Queens, no ace Kings suited, no ace Queens suited over four days. Uh, just very, very few hands uh, to do anything with having said that. So that's the whiny part. Having said that, I think I probably would have gone broke before that if I had picked up some of those. Interesting. Hands. Right? Like it's there's no guaranteeing you make ace well, king suited. You're just playing a bigger pot, right? You're just playing It forced a- you to play tight. It forced you to play conservatively. It forced you into a situation where you just had to take your time and play this as a multi-day event rather than a turbo. Yes, exactly. And uh and so Maria luckily cuz I wouldn't have thought of this saw there was a pay jump. Um from I think it was like from 14th place and she was like you're at six big blinds like just don't don't play anything don't play. it was like waste your theorem Joe yeah and, and luckily I didn't get anything that was a tough decision like I didn't get any king queen suited I didn't get any like 
ace tens or ace nines, and I was able to just fold my way to the next ladder. Um, I, I, I folded my way, guys, to 12-handed poker. I was all in for like three big blinds. Unfortunately, it was Domination Nation, King Queen for Mr. Aaron Knapp, who I mentioned before, to my Queen Jack. I once again missed the board entirely, uh, but was able to uh, to cash and forth for like $4,400. Fantastic. Which which is is you know is my second biggest score ever. At least I had half of my I made more personally with this score than I did with the 14 or 12k score oh, from San Jose. You sold the I'd, vast majority of your action in that one. Yeah, cuz I'd sold like 92% of right, it or something. Right. So like I got like 8 I got like 8 or 10% of my action from San Jose. I you know it it was incredibly frustrating to have never never made a pair. Like I didn't I didn't make one pair. Uh ever uh so that was strange but i'm not i'm just saying it was strange sure exactly the ultimately let's focus on the end result which was you know a 12th place finish a four figure score and now now we can put an end to these ridiculous conspiracy theories that you've been touting for the last 18 months that you never get lucky that you never run good and you never have any success at poker I mean, I did have success, but I didn't get lucky or run good. Those two things I'm still waiting to happen. <sighs> Sigh. Uh, maybe things will improve after the summer months. Just very quickly, before we move on to this week's Superfan, a reminder that even though we are on summer recess, we will still be perusing the Twitter timeline for Superfan applications over the summer months while we're on break. Please send in your comments. Please send in your ideas for running amok, questions that you'd like us to answer, things you've always wanted to know about us. But yeah, Apply to be on the show. Suggest a superfan subject. Uh, get yourself on the list. Guest suggestions. People you'd like us to talk to on future episodes of the podcast. Maybe we should try and get Ross Boatman and talk to him about his new role in EastEnders. Uh, oh, man, that, that would be awesome. That's a great idea. Plus, of course, topics for the show as well. Stuff we should be covering. Stuff we should be talking about. Use the hashtag P-I-T-E. Hashtag P-I-T-E. Poker in the ears. And we will be back. I think it is in mid August. But before we close out, let's introduce this week's Superfan. We welcome Dan Fox to the podcast. How you doing, Dan? I'm not too bad at all, guys. How are you today? Good, Good. thanks. D- Dan, you got like a setup there. You a streamer? You a podcaster? What's your deal? Uh, no, I just I just have a nice setup. I'm just, I've been working from home now for the past maybe four years, four or five years, so I'm oh. sort of well used to uh, did you know there was a pandemic of... i was well prepared yeah i got the memo early <laughs> so what, what do you, do do you actually home? do then yeah um i work for an e-commerce company uh, called shopify and uh, i work for it's kind of like a tech support role it's maybe like senior tech support and um, basically i just fix issues that's going wrong with the platform that's basically what i do Oh, man, I used Shopify a lot over the last 18 months. That's how I bought into most of my box breaks was uh, via Shopify. Yeah, Yeah. um, uh, we did quite well. Um, Like, we had a lot of new people sign up, like, a lot of new people, um, mainly because, like, the the amount of companies that had a store, like a physical store, but never even thought about going online. And then, obviously, they had no other choice. Yeah. Um, So tell us a bit more about yourself. Where are you from? Where are you based? What do you do in your life other than work? Uh, I am from Westmead in the Republic of Ireland. Um, I'm 26 and um, I play a lot of sports. I play football. Uh, I play Gaelic football and I play hurling. Uh, they're Irish sports as well. Nice. I'll, al- um, I'll allow Gaelic football, right? Because I something Irish sounds cool. The rest of it, but I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's very good. So I've been playing it since uh, maybe under 10s, you know, eight or nine. So uh, what's the I'm difference pr- between Gaelic football and football? Uh, so just football, harder pr- to pronounce names. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's just, just an extra uh, couple of syllables. <laughs> um, no, so football is obviously soccer. And then Gaelic football is like a mixture of rugby. And I don't know if you know Aussie rules. Maybe, James, you probably yes. know of this Aussie rules. Um, it's like a mixture of them. It's an Irish sport. You have to look it up on YouTube to uh, watch it. But uh, it's fantastic to play. You and carry watch. the ball sometimes? Yeah, so you can carry it for four steps and then you have to bounce it. Or you can solo it, which is like just 
copying it off your foot. It's, it's such a like it's such a like to me. It sounds like a kid's game. Like you come up, you're like, okay, so you either have to kick the ball or you can go four steps, and then you have to kick it. It is exactly <laughs> the type of game that you would see on ESPN eight, the Ocho. It's a hundred percent that type of sport, right before uh, poker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Dan, how much poker do you get to play? Uh, I do play uh, a good bit. Um, like uh, I played quite frequently, obviously before the pandemic, like in casinos, just like you know leagues and you know pub games and stuff like that. Yeah. So no, nothing, nothing too crazy, to be honest. And so I'm playing obviously a bit more online now, just playing sort of normal tournaments. You know, thirty three dollar buy ins. You know, fifty five dollar, like stretching it to that. Um, and I may mainly play at the weekends, just because obviously you need um, a set time. You need to set four yeah. or five hours away, and yeah. then you go deep even more. But um, I've gotten back into playing some live poker just in friends' houses and stuff like that. But uh, it's mainly cash. And cash, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of cash. I'm not the biggest fan of having to oh. sort of commit 300 euro <laughs> for the one night in. <laughs> I completely understand that. That's why I've always been a fan, especially for home games, of having just a simple low buy-in at, rather than people being able to just put down more and more money and get potentially very expensive but as you know we're giving the opportunity to win some sunday million tickets today so here's my apology um i don't apologize for forcing joe to watch the battle of algiers and i really really wanted you to see it i just regret the way i went about it because i feel this is very much a square peg in a round hole i don't think this is a good subject for a super fan quiz the subject matter is so serious it's very hard to make a fun quiz out of it and i know that patrick struggled in Let putting me- together the super fan quiz let me um let, let me just maybe try to temper that slightly by saying that uh, the joke i was going to make is i really 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 like this movie it was like a pretty fucking awesome action movie just sort of ruined by the fact that it, it was real right yeah. like had this been fiction this would just be like a cool movie like you know like um not that dissimilar from a Star Wars, right? If you think about it, you know, a group of rebels um, fighting for their freedom against their more powerful oppressors. It's a tale as old as time. I understand why we can't really like enjoy it on the same level because it is real and not uh, and not fiction but i think it's okay to just enjoy this movie uh, on on the surface level if you want to and just say this is a relatively well put not relatively a very well put together um uh str- a movie about a struggle about a, about a, about freedom fighters uh you know it, it's a it's it's an a, a suspenseful action-packed movie I mean, I think what makes it more powerful, though, and what makes it so relevant is that it is real, that it is based on fact. I'm interested, Dan, is this a film that you were aware of before you volunteered? Was it just the bribe of the Sunday Million tickets that forced you to watch it? Well, like, so when it was originally, when you originally said it, I was sort of like, you know, whatever, like I would, I personally wouldn't have thought I have an interest in it. And then you obviously mentioned it. And I was like, you know, what? I have wanted to apply properly to go on the uh, show. So I was like, fuck it, I'll do it. Apologies there. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I'll All do good. it. Um, and yeah, so like, it doesn't look like my type of movie. First off, uh, subtitled black and white, you know, 50 years old, you know, it just, it just wasn't my type of movie, but um, it was split. I, I watched it online and it was two hours long. I watched the first hour on Monday night and then I watched the first hour last night and it, it was enjoyable. It definitely was enjoyable. And like you guys sort of mentioned there, just echoing on, you don't really realize you're sort of watching it. And then you realize it was real when you see certain parts of the movie where like people are being gunned down, like random civilians or, you know, where there are being te- like terrorist attacks, I suppose, in a way. Yeah. Um, and then you sort of hit home to, you know, it, it was only 50, it was only in just before the seventies or sixties, you know, it wasn't too long ago at all. So yeah, it, like it, it, it is a movie to enjoy, but it also is something to keep in the back of the mind that I, people went through it. I think it's a movie which still has relevance today. And you can see so many situations around the world where this is still relevant to the point where this movie was screened at the Pentagon 
in 2003 when US forces were in Afghanistan and in Iraq and it was screened to special forces as part of a session called How to Win the Battle Against Terrorism But Lose the War of Ideals, which is exactly what the French did in Algeria. What I I found to be so crazy about this, by the way, guys, sorry to interrupt, James, is just that like in my head, I'm like, oh, this, even though I knew years wise, I'm like, this can't possibly have happened after World War II. Yes, it did. After France had their own resistance and freedom fighters and terrorists to take to to try to win back France from the Nazis who'd occupied them. It's mind blowing how a country can be like, no, 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 it wasn't cool when they did it. But when we do it, it's fine. And, you know, the reality is this was not just a case of occupation. This was not just a case of, of colonization. Algeria didn't have any identity at this point. There was no nation of Algeria. There was no Algerian flag. It was considered to be a district of France. So they genuinely were fighting for independence and fighting for their country back. Um, Not a single frame of newsreel footage used in this, even though so much of it looks like newsreel, shot in documentary style. And again, very innovative in the way in which it was made. And interesting, I have to be careful here because I don't want to give away any spoilers for the actual quiz, but there is only one professional actor in this film and it's the actor who plays Colonel Mathieu. Everyone else was deliberately not an actor. I would have guessed that. And I, I think in a way that's a strength of the film, but also it then involves the need for kind of uh, post-dubbing dialogue. Technically, maybe the film is a little bit rough around the edges, but I will forgive it for that because it is so incredibly powerful and, as I said, still so relevant today. So with all that in place, uh, let's try and, and get through this quiz. And I think Patrick has done the right thing. In There's a lot of questions around the movie and around the events of the movie and not just observational quizzes about the motion picture itself. It's uh, not going to be like, how many beatings did they give the prisoner before he finally gave up the... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Dan, you know the format. Multiple choice options are available should you need them. Um, there are 10 questions. Please kick us off. Please give me a number between 1 and 10. Of course, 7. Always coming 7. What three colors feature on the modern Algerian flag? Ooh. A tough question to answer when you consider the movies in black and white. Yeah. So more general knowledge based around the film rather than about the film itself. What and a about... reminder that multiple choice options are available. Oh, wow. You can, he can take a multiple choice. I was going to say, what about like a portion of a point per color? <laughs> Maybe I'll give you a half if you get close. Uh, I, I definitely know the two main colors, uh, which is green and white. Uh, the star and the moon... Um, uh, I'm pretty sure I read, so I'm going to go green, white, red. Congratulations. Two points are yours, Dan. I would have got that one, but I would have chickened out and taken the choices. And wait, <laughs> I was nearly, nearly there, nearly. Yeah. I like the fact you went for I got to tell one really quick sort of funny anecdote, which is some pretty black humor from you. So I posted on Instagram yesterday, like, the picture of the DVD uh, and saying, like, ugh, I'm probably about to learn something and feel something. And Sam Grafton replied... Yes. And then after the movie, I wrote, I don't know, bro. Those Algerians seem pretty ungrateful. And he just did not reply. And now I'm really worried that he thinks I was serious. I think Sam knows you well enough. Joe, for your first question, what would you like? You can have anything other than seven. Uh, I got to try to outsmart Patrick this one time. I never take question three. Okay, question three. Who directed the film? Um, I will know it when I hear it. I'll take the choices, please. Franco Salinas, Gilo Pontecorvo, Ken Anakin, or Brian Hutton? Pontecorvo. Correct, for one point. Your second question, Dan. Seven deuce off the board. Uh, let's go for question number one. Question one. What years did the Algerian War of Independence take place? Mm, I actually had to look this up because when I was watching the movie, I was like, surely this was longer than what we thought. And I looked it up. I'm pretty sure it's uh, 54 to 57, but I'm going to take the choices just to double check. 
Yeah, I think you may have gone for like the actual specifically Battle of Algiers there rather than the yeah. actual full War for Independence. So the options are 54 to 62, 60 to 64, 40 to 45, or 1920 to 1928. Uh, the first one. Yes, yeah. indeed, for a point. So 3-1 is the score, and Joe, you're up. Uh, I'll take question number eight, please. Question number eight. How does Ali prove to the FNL that he is not a spy? He tries to kill a cop. Correct. The two points. Tied game. Okay, Dan. Two, four, five, six, nine, or ten. Uh, let's go for number nine. What drink do they give the tortured prisoner at the very start of the film? Oh, I think I know this one, and I just want to go ahead of Joe. I want a little bit of breathing space. I'm going to say coffee. It is ah. coffee for two points. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. I love the competitive spirit. Joseph. I really needed him to take the choices there. Uh, what are, <clears throat> where are we at? 10? You can have 10. Nice, easy one. What religion currently dominates the Algerian population? Muslim. Correct. Four, two points. Still a tied game. Two, four, five, or six? Uh, let's go for number six. Number six. If you were to translate it into English, what does FLN stand for? Uh, this actually threw me off when I looked it up because I think it's back to front. It's like a weird sort of thing. I think it's National Liberation for Front. Correct. For two points. Yeah. Wow. Nice one, Dan. Okay, Joe, choose carefully. Deuce, four, The National five. Football League. Uh, I don't take five ever. Give me five. Okay. I mentioned there's one professional actor in the movie. What is the name of that actor who plays Colonel Mathieu? Fucking no. Uh, I'll take the choices. <laughs> is it Julio Merengue, James Miranda, Jacques Merin, or Jean Martin? Let's go to Jean Martin. It is Jean-Martin for one point. Okay, Dan, you have a one-point lead going into the final round. Question two, question four, both available. Um, uh, let's go number two. What is the method of execution we see used in the prison? Um, I can't remember the exact name, but he, he gets his head chopped off. It's head... Uh, <laughs> I, I'm fucking stuck now. If he I get to, he, they bring him over. He, they put him into the. Would you like to take take the options? Oh, I'll give you the options. <laughs> Hanging, firing squad, stabbing, or guillotine. 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 Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, well that makes it interesting. So French. That makes it interesting because you lead by two points. So Joe, to tie the game, you need to get question four correct without taking any of the options and that would then take us to the tiebreaker all right name one country that borders modern algeria morocco correct for two points so we go to the tiebreaker so dan i'm going to give you the choice of either setting the line or taking the under over the question is the estimated budget for this movie oh, you can shit. either you can either set the line or you can take the over or the under. Um, will I get to hear his answer first before going for the under or over? Correct. Yeah, so so I will I will either you can set the line and I guess the over under, or I set the line and you guess the over under. But you get to choose who does it. Uh, I would like Joe to set the line and I'll take the over under. Okay, Joe. What was the estimated budget for this film? I'm going to say the estimated budget for this film was. $400,000. Would you like to take the over or the under, Dan? I'll go uh, over. The budget was $800,000. Congratulations, Dan. On the tiebreaker, you have won this nice. season finale edition of Superfan vs. Stapes. And as promised, you will get three $109 tickets to play the Sunday Million over the coming weeks. All we will ask of you in exchange is if you make day two on any week, let us know because, of course, we live stream it. So we'd love to actually see you in action at the tables.
Yeah, of course, no problem at all, guys. Uh, I really appreciate that, and that was that was a that was an enjoyable. I thought I was going to be screwed, to be honest, but that was very enjoyable <laughs> questions. Nice work, <laughs> nice work. Thanks, Patrick, and thank you, Dan, for coming on the show. Thanks for giving up your time today. No bother at all, guys, um, and have a nice day. Thanks a lot. All right, my babies, we're just about out of time for this week's show. We're just about out of time for this season's show. So coming up next week, there is no next week, but there is a next season. You heard James just a few moments ago. Get it all in still. Keep the conversation going with us. I reply to just about every tweet, by the way, that good or bad, to be perfectly honest. But if you talk to me about something good, I will definitely engage with you but let us know what we can do in the meantime to bring you back the most robust show possible using that hashtag p-i-t-e and of course you can still get your fix of us because as we established earlier on we're still going to be streaming on monday night so there'll still be anecdotes during the breaks in the sunday million on, on our monday night streams uh and yeah we look forward to your company again on this show when it returns in mid-august all right, my babies, that is all the time we have got for this week's and this season's run of shows. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Smell you later.